In the name of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Our passage for our meditation today is our gospel reading that was previously read. Dear friends in Christ Jesus, this is a very interesting passage for today. I know it's familiar for everyone, but it's very interesting. Jesus technically never did answer the lawyer's question, and who is my neighbor? Now, before you get the idea that Jesus thought of lawyers the way many people nowadays think of lawyers, we won't go there, look again. Because Jesus loved this lawyer. <coughs> he loved this lawyer, but Jesus deals with the hidden issue behind this man's question. Namely, the lawyer's failure to be a neighbor. Actually, Jesus' approach is a very familiar one. I mean, every teacher from junior high all the way through high school, college, they know that not every question asked in the classroom reflects a thirst for knowledge. It may be only a ploy to delay the upcoming quiz. Or it may be trying to seek relief from typing out notes or handwriting notes. Or it just may be a way to get the teacher off track. That's what they always tried to pull with me. That was pretty easy. <laughs> it's also true in counseling. Not every complaint by someone reflects the true state of affairs. When a college student says that she is tired, it may mean that she's confused as to what to do next. She may be wondering if she is on the right track, doing the right field. This is true even in a simpler level. If you're fixing a flat tire and somebody comes by and looks at you and says, do you have a flat? Well, of course, but hopefully you don't rudely reply to what appears to be an uncalled for question. Instead, you understand that the question is an offer to help. And if your wife or your girlfriend remarks, oh, isn't it a pretty moon tonight? Hopefully, I pray, you understand that question doesn't mean that you need to go and launch off into a discourse on astronomy and the whys and wherefores of the formation of the stars and the planets. Hopefully, you don't do that. Jesus understood that this lawyer had other issues behind his question. The lawyer was trying to justify himself. That's what we're told. 
He wanted his being a nice guy, he wanted that to count for something. He thought his obedience should get him into heaven. He felt he had all the right answers, except he really didn't know the truth about Jesus, who is the ultimate good Samaritan, the good Samaritan of the gospel. And he empowers us to be compassionate like the good Samaritan in our story. And so today, Jesus will show us all about becoming good Samaritans. Now the robbers in our parable, they call our attention to the sins that we see happening all around us. I mean, my phone blows up with all kinds of news announcements, crimes of violence, and just like theirs was. And they're rampant in our society today. But before we point too many fingers at others, we better look at some of the more subtle, respectable versions of their crimes to which we Christians are perhaps more vulnerable. Like I dropped a quarter the other day and a certain grandson picked it up and said, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. We have all heard that as someone picks up the money we drop or the use of our court system. Sometimes it's used to win over others to show them who they're dealing with. What is legal in human courts is not always legal in God's court. The robbers, they stick up this big mirror, this big mirror to show us our sin. And then we have this priest and Levite of the parable also call attention to our sins. The sins we commit when we fail to do the things we should do. And what makes their neglect so ugly is the fact that these guys are the religious leaders of their day. They're the religious people of their day. Oh, wait a minute. So are we. We are the religious people of today. How many excuses do we come up with for not helping others? How many excuses for our neglect of charity are every bit as understandable in our minds as theirs was were to them? They had excuses for walking on the other side of the road. They had excuses for not helping this poor naked, half-dead man. And I don't know about you, but I come up with some pretty good excuses for not giving, for not helping certain people. And maybe you probably do too. 
Things like, well, they would just waste it anyway if I gave it to them. They're not like me. Plus, they look pretty scary to me. Pretty scary. I need the money for myself. I would never get in that situation. They'll learn the next time. They'll learn not to go down that path. Besides, I don't really have time. I got company coming. Jesus, who is my neighbor? The priest and the Levite, they stick another huge mirror right up in front of us. Praise God, as you and I feel the weight of our sin and fall on our knees in repentance for all of our selfish deeds. But thanks be to God that Jesus' parable does not end here. No, no. The Samaritan of the story provides a model for our deeds of compassion. Realize, please realize this, and I know this is hard to understand, but this Samaritan befriended a racial, social, spiritual enemy. The Samaritan was not a religious leader. He wasn't a leader in the congregation, but he was a hated foreigner. Jews viewed Samaritans as half-breeds, both physically and spiritually. I mean, they hated each other. Samaritans and Jews practice open hatred for each other. But there is no limit here to the Samaritans' love for this poor man along the road. I mean, look at all he did. Beginning in verse 33, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. This is incredible. I mean, totally incredible. The Samaritan cares for his sworn enemy's immediate needs. And then he pays for all the long-term care that this guy needs. It's incredible. There's, there's no limit to his love. This Samaritan reminds us of the love of Jesus that he had for each of us. For Jesus is the ultimate good Samaritan. He's the model, the model for our deeds of compassion. No, he's more than that. He's the means. He's the power for those deeds. For Jesus, like the Good Samaritan, 
befriended his enemies, you and me. In Romans 5, verse 6, Paul says it very clearly. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus sets no limits to his love for us. He went through the agony of death and the damnation of hell on our behalf. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. Jesus took our sin and he gave us forgiveness. Jesus took our hell and he gave us heaven. But wait, his life, death, damnation, and resurrection not only gives us eternal life, but it also empowers, it empowers our deeds of compassion that enable us, just like the kids, to go and do likewise. A number of years ago, there was a special worship service at an Ohio penitentiary. The occasion had been made special because the governor had announced he was offering freedom to several inmates. With understandable impatience, the imprisoned waited for that moment when the governor would reveal those who were singled out for pardon. And the first name read was Lawrence Layton. Lawrence Layton, come down and get your pardon. Nobody got up. Nobody came down. And the chaplain, he, he started to look around and he spotted Larry Layton. And the chaplain crooked his finger and said, come down here, Larry. He means you. Come down here. Larry, thinking there must be another Lawrence Layton, sat in his chair and didn't move. They certainly couldn't mean that he was free. And finally, the chaplain, he got up, he went down, and he took Larry Layton by the arm, and he walked him up to receive this precious certificate. And after shaking the governor's hand, Larry went back and sat down with all the other prisoners. And amazingly, when the prisoners had to go back to their cells, you guessed it, Larry Layton, he stood up and lined up with them. And that's when the warden called out, Larry, you don't belong there anymore. You're free. You're a free man. Because of our Savior's sacrifice on Calvary, because he fulfilled the laws that you and I had broken, 
because he took the punishment that you and I deserve, we as believers in the Savior can be free. And the Lord Jesus sends his spirit to your personal prison of sin with a complete and total pardon. The pardon is not signed with ink, but it's signed with the blood of Jesus. It does not come from a governor. It comes from God Almighty himself. With your pardon in hand, the Savior says, come. Come on down. Be forgiven of the past. Be free. I pray that when you hear the Lord call your name, you won't pull a Larry and ignore the invitation of his pardon. There, there would be nothing more tragic than to go back and return to your self-sin when the Lord Jesus has died to make you free. We are free. Free now to go and show the compassion of our Savior's love to others. Because Jesus was a good Samaritan to our situation of sin. We, through faith in Jesus, have been set free to be good Samaritans to others. It was a cold, bitter day. And a boy stood shivering on a steel grate in the sidewalk. His clothes were thin and tattered. A woman, appropriately dressed for the weather, stopped and engaged the boy in conversation. He was indeed a child of the street. And this compassionate woman took him to a nearby store, clothing store, and outfitted him from head to foot. And the lad was filled with joy and gratitude. He could not thank her enough. And as they said goodbye, and they walked away in opposite directions, this happy boy turned back to ask a question. Are you God's mother? And the gentlewoman answered, oh, no. I'm just a child of God. And the smiling little boy remarked, I knew you were related. You are all related. You are all related, my friends, as well. And for the Holy Spirit, through the gospel, enables all of us, his children, to be good Samaritans in our everyday relationships with one and all. Thanks be to Jesus. Thanks be to Jesus for making us good Samaritans. Amen. And now the peace which only comes from above fill our hearts with faith unto life everlasting. Amen.